I got an order just like a couple a few years ago it was like a couple years ago 17,300 soap bar order are you serious yes. and I how did you was, feel I thought it was a typo <laughs> honestly I was like so is it 17,300 17, soap bar order for a subscription box wow and they just and they found me because I was showing up consistently on Instagram get your water keep some wine I should have had some wine with exposure, execution, and consistency, there is nothing you can't do. Just keep planting. Hey y'all, thank you so much for tuning back in to another episode on the Responsible Homegirl Podcast. I am Kiani, the Responsible Homegirl, and this is a space that I have created so young adults can become financially responsible and wealth conscious. So if you are a true supporter, you know about my series called Think Like a Mogul, where I highlight the greatness that we have in our own backyard. So entrepreneurs who are either from South Carolina or live in South Carolina. So today I have no other than Miss Andrea Davis. She is the owner of Motherland Essentials. And today we are going to dig deep into her story, her business, but most importantly, her mindset and how she thinks like a mogul. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. So before we get into all of the good stuff, I always ask my guests, can you tell me about an irresponsible financial decision that you ever made? <laughs> okay, so when I started this business, mm -hmm. I actually, I just quit my job. I had wow. no plan. I had very little in savings. I really just was like, you know, I'm just over it. And I mean, we can get more into like the specifics of why I just left, mm -hmm. but I did leave my job with no plan, really no money, and I didn't really have an idea that I was going to start a business, so wow. I just left. No plans, no nothing. Don't do that. <laughs> do you regret doing that? Um, for me, no, because no. it's very, it's very me. I think I wouldn't have, the way that I am, I just would have waited until like, oh, I need this amount of money, and then mm -hmm. I can do it, and I think for me, I'm not a big planner, which is mm. a blessing and a curse. Okay. Um. But I think doing it the way that I did it really forced me to find creative ways to fund my business and it also made me make it work. Like, you have to figure it out when yeah. you do it the way that I did it. But it's much harder. So yeah. have a plan and some money. <laughs> right. So something powerful that you just that just stood out to me because a lot of people think that they have to have everything figured out before starting. But you said because you didn't, it forced you to be more creative. So mm -hmm. can you talk about how, with the little bit of savings that you had, how were you creative in starting? So the first thing that I realized was that I had all these big grand plans of like, I want to do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is there are a lot of brands out there who only sell one product mm -hmm. and they kill it. Yeah. And so the thing that I most learned is that you just have to focus on that one thing and be really really good at it be an authority on that area and yeah. then people will be looking at you like oh she knows what she's doing so then when you start dropping other things mm -hmm. it's like oh okay this is also a thing that adds to the experience of what she's already created yeah. so I just started out with just making soap mm -hmm. and then I was you know the natural progression of a soap maker is you make soap you make body butter you make all these other little things that go along with it but instead of starting out with this whole big line of stuff where you're having to spend a lot of money on you know packaging and 
all of this other all these expenses that just pop up you just yeah. focus on one thing so that your expenses are kind of handled and all the unexpected things don't shock you as much yeah so yeah stick to one thing mm-hmm. when you're starting out y'all she already given us gems <laughs> and we didn't even really start the episode yet this is just one little piece but to get started into her story or to share your story can you tell us where you're from how you grew up and what kind of propelled you into entrepreneurship today so i actually grew up in bowling green kentucky mm. um which if anybody knows anything about it which i seriously doubt um <laughs> it's where you know corvette plants are made okay. western kentucky is there um wku and so there's really not a lot going on in terms of like i didn't see a lot of entrepreneurship growing mm. up for me now i will say though um my mother's mother my grandmother she was really inspiring and just um breaking that mold a little bit she yeah. had um an art gallery in bowling green she was a writer she wrote poetry come on and grandma so i mean like i saw that example of it mm-hmm. and just seeing like okay there's somebody who's like doing what they want to do right but largely around me like you know growing up going to school a lot of my friends where you know trying to go to college and you know get these traditional careers and stuff like that and none of that really interests me a lot mainly because i like to do what i want to do when i want to do it (laughs) and so um you don't find that a lot that you get that freedom a lot when you're working like corporate jobs or when you're working with someone else Mm -hmm. um and so for me it was always like i need to find my own way i remember in high school we had this thing called Freshman Academy where you basically, if you're a freshman, you're sequestered to one hallway. Wow. Um, my mom used to like buy a ridiculous amount of candy, like just this big candy bowl, and it was like good candy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we do not need all this. So I would take some of it and sell it at school in my life. Because <laughs> like one of the rules was like, you can't have candy and stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm gonna do what I want to do. And I want some money. So. <laughs> You know, I would, I would like, do stuff like sell candy. I just mm-hmm. realized, like, early on that, like, if there were things that I wanted, my mother was very, very supportive of, like, if you want something, then you go get it. I love that. And figure it out. But, you know, it's yours to get. And so mm-hmm. all the stuff that I saw around me with people, like, working jobs and doing that stuff, and, and it looked like they didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I wanted to promise myself was whatever I was doing, I wanted I wanted to enjoy it. That's so, powerful. Yeah, that's because a lot of people are not doing things that they're enjoying, like they're right. doing things simply for a paycheck. Right, and I mean, we all have to survive at the right. end of the day. There's no judgment when you're just working a job and you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes yeah. your jobs are actually funding what you want. Talk about it. So, I mean, I don't ever advocate. You'll have entrepreneurs that are out there that's like, quit your job if you have a dream. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because. Just because it's your dream doesn't necessarily mean either that it's going to be something that is, you know, going to make you money or yeah. it's going to fulfill you. Because you might get into the thing that you really wanted to do and then discover, like, this is this is not it. Right. Or it's, it's a very <laughs> tiny part of what right. I actually have to do. Exactly. So, you know, if you're working your job, stay working your job so that you can fund what you actually want to do and mm-hmm. be comfortable. Um, but if you do have opportunities, to you know go after your dreams and like start your business and stuff then you know explore that do that absolutely 
but be responsible. Don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you are in Kentucky. Talk to me about how you got to South Carolina. Uh, so marriage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shout out to the husband. Yes. <laughs> me and 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 I thank him so much because like one of the things that I'm the reason why I am where I am is because I do have that support. Mm. Like my husband, um, we've been together since we were like. 15, 16 years old, and it was actually like a long distance relationship. Shout out to Black Planet because that's where we met. <laughs> What's Black Planet? Oh my god, I'm so old. Oh. I'm like, Girl, so no, no, like Black Planet was like, um, oh my god, what can I? So it was like, um, now I'm gonna say like a Facebook for black people. Okay. Basically, like you get on there and you have your little profile. Like, are you okay? Are you familiar with MySpace? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have a page though. But. So okay, think <laughs> MySpace meets Facebook kind of thing for black people. Like you know, you code your little stuff. You have your little profiles and all that kind of stuff. And you can like, it's basically like a social platform. Okay. For black people, and so my little hot tail was like, um, I hate Kentucky. These guys suck. Let me <laughs> let me look at Tennessee because it's right under us, and mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, I just want to see. Right. So, and this is in high school. And this is in high school, mind wow. you. And so, like, it was funny because, like, I clicked on his little profile thing. He mm-hmm. had no picture. He just had a description of himself, and he could have been lying. But me, I Not was you like, about to get catfish. I was, <laughs> I was, but I was like, let me just, let me just see. I ain't trying to have no boyfriend. I'm just trying to see what's. You know, whatever. Right. <laughs> so, you know, he has all of these, like, these descriptions. And then mm-hmm. I see some poetry. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is different. Because I was very much, like, I'm reading all the time. Mm-hmm. I was That was another thing that kind of, like, made me feel different. Yeah. Because a lot of people in Bowling Green, they were, like, I was in band and stuff. And I did band. I was heavily into my music. But I was also, like, a book nerd. And yeah. I'm... I'm the girl at the party reading a book. I was a weirdo. But it was fun for me, like, just to read and just to learn about different things. Right. And so it was interesting to see somebody else into that. So I clicked on his little profile and um, asked my mom to take me there. And she was like, okay. Girl, you bold. So I you asked your mom I mean, to take you to meet a man at I 15. asked. And I, I asked because my mom said, if you don't ask, you don't know. That's so a Jew. I asked. <laughs> And I had my mom, my grandmother, and my sister with me, so I wasn't just down there by mm-hmm. myself. But I met him and like his whole family the first time I met him. I met his mom wow. and brothers and sisters, and it was just like we clicked automatically. Mm-hmm. We were like we were friends. We were yeah. like really good friends. So that's what got me here, though. Cause he joined the military. He was in the Marine Corps, and. Um, we moved here when we were 19, we were in Beaufort for a few years, and then when his time was up, um, neither one of us wanted to go back home. He didn't want to go back to Memphis. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back to Bowling Green, so I was like, Charles is up the street. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so let's, let's just settle here. Let's just try it. Uh-huh. With, and we don't have any like family or connections or anything here, but it was important for us to like just you know, start something of our own together, Yeah. you know, so, you know, I think that was another thing that helped me to start this business, because I don't think I would have done it if I was back home, because mm-hmm. it just wouldn't have been the same atmosphere for me, Yeah. the really dope thing about Charleston and being here is that there are so many people, 
so many black people yeah doing so many things i didn't know what a blogger was until i got here i mean like it like influencers and all of that stuff yeah. like we did not have that. Just a different level of exposure. Exactly. And like even me, I'm from King Street, South Carolina, which is like an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a very like just very black town. Went to black school, mm-hmm. like but it's very small. So right. the same people that I started with kindergarten from graduating high school, those are like my people. We're family for right. So when I graduated and then go to the College of Charleston, now I'm experiencing this huge culture shock mm-hmm. because even though I'm only an hour and a half down the street, it's just like this is a totally a whole different world. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I went to school with, uh, I saw white people all the time. Wow. Like my whole existence was just how do you maneuver around these? And I mean, you talking about like Kentucky. Yeah. And and so like when you're dealing with like the the racism and like kind of the passive aggressive kind of stuff like mm-hmm. I had to navigate that a lot when I was younger and so moving up here you see all these black people with businesses like I would walk in stores and I wouldn't see no black people owning anything yeah. and I mean now in Bowling Green it's getting a lot better mm-hmm. because I feel like you know there's there's a sense of awakening like in this pride of like ownership and having access to the information yeah. to get these things mm-hmm. and that was a big thing that you know, growing up, I wasn't exposed to. Yeah. So being here, actually seeing other black entrepreneurs talking to each other and like, okay, this is what's happening to me. How am I going to navigate this? And we solving problems together. Mm-hmm. Like, that's beautiful. Right. And that's something I don't think I would have gotten back home. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm grateful to be like here in Charleston, the Somerville area, because I've just met so many amazing people. Yes. And I want to dig a little bit deeper on that because I know some people, somebody listening, they may feel like I'm in my hometown and I really want to move out, but I may be a little bit fearful because mm-hmm. I don't know how to go to a new place, establish roots and meet new people. So can you talk about how you and your husband navigated that? Like you said, y'all didn't have any connections. Y'all didn't know anybody. How did you do it? I mean, honestly, I just got tired of just being in the house <laughs> honestly <laughs> I, I, love it. I was just like you know I love you but I just want to see you know what like what this place is about yeah and so one thing that I think there's a saying that I really live by is like your vibe attracts your tribe mm. and so I noticed like when I started going to the places where like okay what kind of people would I want to hang out with and started going to like I see these events on Instagram or something and I might not know nobody but it puts me in a place where I can get to know people right. or see if I want to get to know people because I'm I'm very Aquarius <laughs> I don't really want to be out meeting people <laughs> but you're putting yourself out there right and that's that's what you have to do I actually um shout out to Jessica Boyd because she and um her friend put together a natural unnatural uh, natural hair pageant here in okay. Charleston they started in Columbia um and it was naturally crowned mm-hmm. Charleston or naturally crowned Columbia but they had one here and I just saw the um like the post or something on Instagram and I was like I'm gonna do that yeah and I just had a baby and stuff I'm pumping and like you know we in rehearsals and stuff and I'm like hold on y'all I gotta go pump and like but it was just my way of like doing something different because I've never done a pageant and 
I actually like I got third place, so mm mm I won something. Period. Um, <laughs> and, but I gained a lot more because I have like one of my best friends. Um, she she has been tremendous here in, in terms of support because we were in the same boat. We moved here around the same time, didn't know nobody, and we both did the pageant. Her name is Carmen. Shout out to Carmen. <laughs> um, but she, like, we just became really good friends and, like, us linking up like that and then we're like, oh, this is happening. Let's go together. And then eventually you start meeting new people and then it just becomes authentic. Like, I wasn't out just trying to, like, yeah. I want to go make some friends. I just right. got tired. Of sitting in the house, being in the house, and just not exposing myself to the city where I'm, where I'm at. Yeah. So you gotta, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable and go outside for a little bit, yeah. for a little bit, for me. I bit. love that. <laughs> um, getting yourself outside of your comfort zone and just, you know, like you. One key thing that you said though was like just being genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't necessarily like when people like try to force themselves on people. Because I feel like that can come off a little bit like crazy. Like, sis, let's just let the relationship form organically. But I definitely um, think that using social media, like you said, Instagram, Eventbrite, whatever it is, looking at what's going on in your city and then just just pop up. And you never know. Like, you could form, you know, different business relationships. It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, friendships or anything like that. It could be... um, really intentional intentional and profitable mm-hmm. partnerships yeah um and then sometimes you might actually just meet really cool people that you form really great bonds with and just at least have that friendship right you know but it's something and then you'll meet some people who you meet them once and you'll never want to see them again and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but you at least had that experience right, right. absolutely <laughs> So y'all, right now we are currently at her store in Somerville, Motherland Essentials. As soon as I stepped in the door, I was like, oh my gosh, it smells so good in here. So can you tell my community, what is Motherland Essentials? How did you even get the idea to start your baby? So we are a bath body and self-care lifestyle brand. Mm -hmm. We really focus on just the practice, incorporating your self-care practice in ways that are accessible. So every time we talk, you hear that buzzword of self-care, you picture somebody in a bubble bath or a tub and all that stuff. And me being a mother and just overall a busy, like I got stuff going on all the time. Yeah. I don't have time for bubble baths all the time. Mm -hmm. I just moved into a new house and I ain't got no tub in my bathroom. So I'm a little sad about that. (laughs) But, you know, it's just finding ways to incorporate your self-care practice just in your everyday life yeah. like those moments where you step out of the shower and you just put on our body butter i wanted those scents to you know just set the tone for your day yeah or at night like when you put on our like lavender hydrating mist i want you to you know feel relaxed and comfortable and it's something that it's just a little something for you that's like twenty dollars or right. something you know it's not gonna break you it's something that especially in this economy where everything is so expensive Absolutely. You get to just have that little moment of something. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create products that, you know, were accessible to, you know, people like me. Because, again, growing up in Bowling Green, we didn't have a Whole Foods and Mm. none of that stuff. And that's where you find a lot of, like, your plant-based kind of soaps and things like that that are good for you. And you notice, like, in neighborhoods that are predominantly black, you get, we got dollar stores and stuff everywhere 
which may not be stocked with the best products, but right. that's what we got, right? So it's important to me to at least create that accessibility mm -hmm. so that we have access to these things. Even if, you know, if it's a soap bar that you get, it's something yeah. that's good for you. I love that so much. So when you were starting your company, for one, you already said you just quit your job. I just quit. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. Do you remember the dollar amount that you had saved? <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible, y'all. I know, because um, I think we had, like, just paid for something outrageous that just came out, and I think maybe we had, like, two or $300 in that wow. thing. I had nothing. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about soap making is that you can literally use, like, milk cartons and, like, mm -hmm. boxes and stuff to, like, that's your mold. Like, you, yeah. it forces you to be creative. And, like, your materials and stuff that you get, um, when I was doing my formulation for my recipe, I picked stuff that, one, I could find easily, like, olive oil. If I run out, I can go to the store and buy olive oil. Right. Or coconut oil or something like that. So my idea was, like, in terms of, like, if I'm teaching classes, mm -hmm. I want you to be able to go out on your own and buy these products and not have to go to like a specialty store to get some of these ingredients and stuff. Right. So, and then also I was broke, so I only had <laughs> so, so much money to start my batches of soap. But so, there's power in that. It, exactly. And um, in the, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, because I was broke. <laughs> in the beginning, before you even decided to create Mother Lane Essentials, were you already into soap making? Were oh, no. you like... So talk to us, Absolutely like where did you get this info from? So actually, um, in 2014, mm -hmm. I was uh, working at a bank and I was pregnant with our second child and I actually, we actually lost him and we were 20 weeks into my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And what really made me leave was, you know, I called my job and let them know what happened and they were like, you know, we're sorry. Um, we had three days of bereavement. So three days? Three days of wow. bereavement because um, the laws here, like, basically, like, if he would have been born, then I would have been entitled to six weeks of, like, bonding time and maternity leave and stuff, but because I'm not bonding with him, I get three days of bereavement. That is very and sad. so, for me, it was just, like, three days. Right. Like, that is nothing. Right. But I had to come back because, you know, you have to be responsible, you got bills, you have all these things that you got to do. So, I went back to work. I went back to work and I immediately knew I was depressed. Like you can feel depression, the energy, and you can feel it. And the thing, one thing about mental health that people really have to be more mindful of, especially if you're an employer, is that it's not like, you know, like a physical handicap where like, obviously like if my leg was broken, maybe I'd have got more time to, you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? But like, I lost my child, right? And I got three days to get over it and then come back to work. And three days is nothing. That's nothing. Like you can't, you can't possibly get over something like that in three days. Mm -hmm. And then what made it worse was like you know some of my coworkers were you know trying to be nice and gave me flowers and stuff and put flowers on my desk. And so all of my clients that I was dealing with is like, oh, is it your birthday? And so you're having to relive that all day, right? And then, like, I had a client, I, I very much believe in, like, paying attention to, like, signs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I had a client who, um, she had a new baby, like, brand new baby, and I'm just looking at the baby, and yeah. I'm just, like, miserable. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, happy that somebody had a baby, but I'm right. just miserable. 
And then my next client was like death certificate stuff that I have to deal with. And I'm just like, okay, like, yeah. this is not it. Y'all, and that's a lot on your it's mental. It's a lot. And, and I just realized in that moment, I was like, these people do not care about me at yeah. all. Like, if I was to leave right now, they would have a replacement. So, you know, aside from creating these products that are accessible, I wanted to create a space where people were treated like people. Like, yeah. when you work here, you're not treated like, you know, oh, your mom just died? Okay, cool. You need to come back in three days. It's just not realistic. And, you know, with Tubi understanding that, yeah, we have a business to run and we have deadlines and things like that. But mm-hmm. at the core of it, you have to take care of people. Yeah. And you can't base all of your decisions on, like, your finances, on your financial positioning in your business. You have to invest in your people. Yes. So... I was like, I ain't never going to work in no space mm-hmm. that does not value me. And yeah. I didn't feel like I was going to find a space, so I created that space. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard because these bills are real. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's worth it because I know that when somebody comes and works here, that they are going to feel like they're taken care of. Right. And that they're seen. And if it's something that, you know, I can help with or whatever, then, then cool. But, you know, also, I just want people to feel mm-hmm. like they're people yeah. when they work in a space. That's important. I love that so much. And one thing that you said was, like, you have to value people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can definitely tell the difference between companies that value their people, a.k.a. like a Chick-fil-A, versus, like, a McDonald's. Like, the yeah. customer service, <laughs> the experience is just is just different. It makes a difference. And people... Um, I just think are your greatest assets. Like we cannot push our like our visions further. We can't make our brands bigger than we are if we don't have a team of people. Exactly. And I mean, I know a lot of people like when I struggle with like one of the things for me is like I feel like I gotta do everything. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that entrepreneur te- entrepreneurship teaches you is that you are not doing everything. You can't. You can try if you want to. Yeah. But you're going to be real upset <laughs> and you're going to burn out because it's just impossible to, you may be doing really well by yourself for a little while. That's mm-hmm. not to say that somebody can't start a business and be really successful by themselves, but you can't possibly be mentally healthy yeah. and doing everything that needs to be done in a right. business, especially a product-based business where you're, you know, you have to focus so much on shipping and your customer experience and mm-hmm. actually making product like it's just so many moving parts right that it doesn't make any sense for one person to have a handle on all of it now you need to know what's going on yeah but you have to trust that people know what they're doing because you train them to mm-hmm. do what they need to do can you talk about the different levels to it though because i do believe in the beginning when you're just starting you have to wear multiple hats oh god yeah but <laughs> you gotta wear multiple hats any step of entrepreneurship honestly Uh but um I think you know when I first started out I was in my kitchen Mm -hmm. you know it was just me and I was answering everybody's emails and I was doing all the things because I wasn't at a point in my business where I was getting all these orders and doing all of this stuff yeah and so once I started to I started basically just doing markets and stuff like that that's how I got to kind of be known and like people know who I am and like all that stuff. Shops exactly. Stuff. Like I, if there was a market, I was doing it. Yeah. And I would do two markets in a day sometimes because mm-hmm. one, I needed money <laughs> and two, I needed people to see me and say like, and you know, ask me questions and they may not be buying anything, 
but they'll at least see me consistently yeah. showing up. Someone sees. Yes. So, um, then I like kind of was picking up orders and like, oh, okay, some people want me in their shops. Okay, cool. I went to I turned my garage into like my little studio area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was interesting because I'm still doing things by myself, but, like, things are picking up. So, we have, like, Asia back here. Shout out to Asia May because that girl right there, (laughs) (laughs) she noticed, like, that was one of the people, like, I I met when I was just out, you Mm -hmm. know. And she just saw that I needed help. Yeah. Because I post and do all of this and I look overwhelmed and she was like, do you need help? And I was like, no, I'm good. I got it. <laughs> and she was like, okay, what's your address? Right. And you gave her the address and she's over here. She just pops up and she Shout out to the know, people who believe in <laughs> who your vision show and show up. <laughs> yes. yes. I love that. She started doing, you know, probably setting up at markets for me and mm-hmm. then she'd come help me ship and like that help that I was afraid to ask for mm-hmm. and somebody was just like, girl, shut up. I'm going to help you. Yeah. I mean, it was so needed. Mm-hmm. But she is, I think, I want to credit her really so much for just opening my eyes to the fact that I needed the help. Right. And not being afraid to ask for it. Mm-hmm. So, with her, like, you know, my shipping times got better. We were doing all these things. And then I got an order just like a couple, a few years ago. It was like a couple years ago. 17,300 soap bar order. Are you serious? Yes. And I How did you was, feel? I thought it was a typo. <laughs> honestly, I was like, so is it seventeen thousand three hundred soap bar order for a subscription box? Wow! And they just and they found me because I was showing up consistently on Instagram. I was, you know, I share my talk content. about God. I mean, I and was hard like, work exactly. And during the pandemic, mind you, <laughs> wow. So it was, you know, she was like. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we not gonna do that, and we definitely not gonna do it here mm-hmm. in this garage. But by that time, like our business had been established, and we had I saved up a lot of money, and I was already looking at spaces anyway. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, I gotta get a space like now yeah. because I can't do that in my garage. Like it's just not. Possible. I can't even fathom like it, making it was seventeen. Insane. It was so crazy. Did you have to pull together a new set of people to help you? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because during that time, too, we had, like, I have a 20-gallon tank now, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have that before. I had a six-gallon tank that makes, like, no soap at all. Okay, like, break this down for me so, to, like, a kindergartner. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, so, um... So, we, in, in soap making, like, you can, you know, there's different types of, like, methods you use to, like, melt your oils and butters and things like that to do your soap making. So, when I was in the kitchen, you mm-hmm. know, I had my, like, pots and pans and stuff like God that damn. and doing it that way. Which is fine when you're doing, like, you know, a couple batches at a time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But when you're doing volume, mm-hmm. we don't have time to really just wait on things to set and do all of that stuff. So, I invested in uh, a tank when I was going into the garage. Mm -hmm. And so what's really cool about like the wax melter and oil melter tanks is that they allow you to like put your batch in there, like put my whole recipe in there in in bigger batches so that I can just heat it up, get what I need and go. It it creates a lot more efficiency. Mm -hmm. And less work on your behalf. Exactly. Yeah. 
But the downside of that is when you have a big order like that mm-hmm. and you got a little tank, you you working like you got a little pot. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time, I only had the little one. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to take all day. But yeah. we met our deadline with my little tank. How long did you have to fulfill that? Um, it took, we had, they gave us like a two-month window. Okay. But the thing with soap making is it needs a month to cure. Mm-hmm. So I really only had like a month to make the soap and, you know, get the boxes and all of this, you know, materials and everything that I needed. Yeah. So <laughs> I've never felt that much pressure in life. Uh-huh. It was a lot, but it was great. Yeah, and I know it made that. you a better <laughs> business owner. It did because it taught me to really just delegate. Yeah. Um, and we had people, you know, in here, like they were assigned to like, you put these in, you, you box the soaps, you cut the soaps. Like we had a little assembly line going. Yeah. And there was no way I was doing all of that by myself. Or right. With even just us two. It just would have, we would have died. Like, yeah. it just would not have been cool. Right. Um. So, after getting that order, though, I was like, okay, yeah, we need a bigger space. Mm-hmm. And, and we've gotten to a point where people know us and people buy from us. And so, I'm, I feel comfortable taking that risk of moving into a brick and mortar space. Yeah. But that was a huge step. Because yeah. those that overhead is a lot. It's a lot to deal with when you go from making soap in your house and you basically just paying your rent and you live there and stuff to now I got mortgage and I got to pay rent over here. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so can you talk about like throughout growing your business? How long have you been in business? Um, we started in 2015. Okay. So um, it'll be what um, six, seven, seven years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at math right now. Sure. I ain't had my coffee. Seven-ish years coming Seven-ish up. Seven-ish years. <laughs> so talk to me about the progression, like, from start to where you are now. Like, was everything that you touched always gold? Did oh you gosh. experience some challenges? Like, just, I know it's probably a lot, but can you kind of, like, piece together maybe some highlights? When I first started making soap, and I, and I only started making soap because I saw it on YouTube. It was during the time <laughs> when... I quit my job and I was just trying to focus. I didn't have access to a therapist. Mm. So I was just like, you know, I've always been like into just creativity and finding things that, you know, I could just keep my mind busy and just keep me creative. And I found soap making. I love that it was just kind of a marriage between chemistry and art because it's very much chemistry. Yeah. (laughs) And, but it's just so beautiful just to see these oils and butters transform into something totally different. Um, and so one thing that I did notice though was that there weren't a lot of black soap makers that were like you know prominent and so for me I was like mm, mm-hmm. I really like I mean you know the soap yeah. making community itself is very supportive of mm-hmm. each other but it's just that representation I didn't see enough of it yeah. that, so I was just like I'm just gonna make soap I'm gonna try it my first batch y'all was terrible <laughs> could not give it away it was horrible what makes soap terrible though oh it was bad like my recipe was bad it was like (laughs) really like it felt really oily okay it was just not good and it was ugly to me Mm -hmm. like somebody because today girl your soap's popping i mean but it took work yeah it took work yeah but my first batch i could not give it away it was just not good Mm -hmm. but i didn't really let that discourage me at all i just was like okay this is bad how can i fix it what is wrong here Mm -hmm. and so i just 
did a lot more research and studied a lot more on like different properties of oil and like what does what and why is my bar so slimy feeling and mm-hmm. you know and so once I worked that out it was just kind of like okay just getting more comfortable with my batches and like how they move and stuff so I got more confident in making bigger batches at a time yeah so it helped with you know my efficiency it helped with just making things a lot better for me because I'm not just making one loaf and then you know like 15 bars of soap that's like not really worth a lot of my time (laughs) you know so I just had to really go at it because I could have been very discouraged like that bar was ugly y'all I wish I would have saved it yeah so y'all could see but But your persistence and now years later it has paid off oh god yeah so talk about like even when you kind of got a handle on soap making, did you find it hard because you make the soap and you have to market and promote your business and just like do all the things? I mean, for me, honestly, it was just, it didn't it didn't feel like work mm. until I moved in here. <laughs> <laughs> until you moved to the new until building? Until I moved into this building, to be honest, because I'm now responsible for, you know, making sure somebody gets paid. I'm, I'm responsible for it her livelihood I'm responsible for making sure that this space stays here um, so that people in this area and people who want to travel here can come here and have access to it Mm -hmm. it's it just feels like a lot of pressure because I'm feeling like our growth and we're in that weird space of like I'm not scaling I'm not really scaling right now but Mm -hmm. I'm just transitioning into this bigger space so that I can be more comfortable like if I want to walk into like a store and be like I would like to be in this store like mm-hmm. a major store or something mm-hmm. like that I'm comfortable but right now I'm just trying to get used to being a retailer which is a totally different thing than me just making soap in my garage you know like What's the difference so now you know I'm responsible for like we have other brands in here now like we have PR and um, we have graphic anthology we just have all these other brands who like people are seeing I have to reorder from them and so like you know that money they're depending on too right and then you know you just have like more costs to incur mm-hmm. like I'm paying more taxes than I want to pay but <laughs> you know it's it's just a whole different level of yeah. issues money wise mm-hmm. you know whereas working in my house I gotta pay my rent you know and I don't have a building to you know, make compliant and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just a whole different level of responsibility. That was literally the word that was coming out of my mouth. Like more responsibility. More responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But you but it forces you to really just think about what you do because you're what you do is not just affecting you anymore. Yeah. You gotta you got people to look after now. So Mm -hmm. it's just like it's a lot. I love that (laughs) so much. So we talked about the progression. Now, Motherland Essentials today, how do you just continue showing up? How do you keep going? What tips or advice would you have for somebody that's listening to this and they may have a product-based business and they're not making the sales that they want to make or like they just need some encouragement to keep going? I would say I think one thing that holds a lot of people back is that they are either afraid to ask for mentorship or don't want to pay for it. Mm. Um, Emphasis on the, <laughs> say the last part: don't want to pay. Don't want to pay for it because you have to invest in yourself. Now, with that being said, you have to do your due diligence and vet people. Yeah, because there's a lot of people, especially when Clubhouse got popping, it was a lot of like 
coaches and all kinds of stuff that yeah. are like ripping off other people's content and mm-hmm. just regurgitating it. You have to really vet people and know that these people know what they're talking about. Ask questions and do not be afraid to be like, okay, I need to see, you know, what you make, you know, <laughs> your, your gross net and all that kind of stuff. I need to see all of that before I hand you my money mm-hmm. because it is an investment. I got very lucky, I'm very fortunate that um, Pamela Booker, who is the owner of Quills by Nature, she is an amazing mentor to me. Yeah. And she actually um, set up my Klaviyo. She helped set up my email marketing. Mm-hmm. And one thing that that's done is just really helped to streamline um, you know, my customer interactions. It's gotten me paid because people don't understand that there's so much power in like talking to people yeah. your emails they give you your emails talk to them <laughs> um but don't talk to, don't hound them just talk yeah. to them yeah um, but, people. exactly but she is the one that like she just really is so so giving when it comes to her knowledge mm-hmm. and as long as you are willing to do the work yeah you you're good she's gonna do what she needs to do to help you yeah and you need that but if you don't have a relationship with somebody you need to pay yeah (laughs) i mean even if you do have a relationship with somebody actually you need to pay because everybody got bills (laughs) and getting mentorship it expedites your process you are paying for not just their time but all of the mistakes that they made right so you don't have to make those mistakes exactly i think it's so much power in investing in yourself and investing in a mentor absolutely absolutely especially when you find one that you really in alignment with Mm -hmm. like oh my god i can't tell you how much money she saved me yeah or and made me just by like don't do that girl don't do that or you know maybe you should try it this way or maybe Mm -hmm. you should do this like are these products take your two or three least selling products and bundle them together and make a whole little you know stuff like that that you don't even think about that's so simple and that that puts money in your pocket because you just genuinely one thing that I'm very blessed with is that I have people around me that are really looking out for me and Mm. just supportive yeah so I mean you need that but if you don't have a mentor go around people who you know you see somebody on Instagram, don't be afraid to like be like, "Hey, I'm so and so. I am the slide in your yes. DM queen." Slide in them DMs, okay? Shoot I slid in your DMs. You did. <laughs> and and it and look at this, right, right. <laughs> just yeah. say simple. Just talk to somebody and just mm-hmm. be like, "Hey, I want to talk to you. I would like to connect with you." And and just see where it goes. It's the worst thing you do is be like, "No, nah, get out of my face." And I will say there is an etiquette to that because I hate when people just you know, slide in my DM and immediately just ask for something. Right. Like, you know, just say, hey, so-and-so, I hope you are doing well. I am inspired by X, Y, Z. I love what you're doing. Like, don't just jump in there just, you know, immediately asking for what you want. Now, I will say be intentional about it, but it has to be a give and take as well um, when you're reaching out to people. Be intentional. Right, absolutely. And genuine about your interaction. That gets you far. Mm-hmm. That gets you farther than two acting like you got it together. Don't mm. if you ain't got it, you don't got it, and that's fine. That's yeah. also a thing. There's a lot of people who you want to be your mentor who you may not be able to afford. Yeah, just let them know, like, hey, at this point, this is where I'm at financially. Um, if you have, you know, payment plans that we can work out, cool. But if you want to, just at least let me know your rate so I know what to, 
you know work up to yeah then that's a goal that you have already set for yourself to work with this person and this is how much it's gonna cost me so i gotta figure out how to get this right you know don't ever exclude yourself from things because of money though yeah like you can you can work it out because you never know what opportunities are just on the other side of you opening your mouth right. and explaining what it is before we go into our social section, is there anything else that you would like to share about Resonate Essentials, about how you build your brand from the ground up? Um, I'm just going to say that um, we are here in Somerville. I'm going to give you all the address. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, 405 North Maple Street. We're in Suite B1 in Somerville, South Carolina. This is like a new area, so a lot of people, it's hard to find us, mm -hmm. um, but it's important that if you see black owned businesses, especially black women owned businesses that you come and consistently support. Yeah. Um, because um, we really just depend on people. Like we are not funded by, we don't have like investors. We don't have stuff like y'all are our investors. Yeah. So it's important that you all continue to pour into us mm -hmm. so that we can continue to do what we do for you all. It's important to just show up. Yeah. Um, and we'll just keep continuing to show up for you guys too. So come here when we're open. <laughs> Let's get into our soul food section. So everybody listening, y'all know I'm a very country girl from King Street, South Carolina. <laughs> I come from a family that can cook really good. So I love me some soul food. So Andrea, what is your favorite soul food dish? Oh my God. So because I'm from Kentucky, um, I don't know if y'all would consider this a soul food dish, but I really like frog legs. Girl! <laughs> I mean, I don't, is that, is that not, so, I mean to me, because that's what, now Kentucky is very country, we are uh -huh. very country, so we would have like, you know, like our rabbit and, you know, like, yeah, oh, rabbit. Like, girl, I've never even had frog legs. Listen, frog legs are they taste like, it tastes like chicken. <laughs> it tastes like chicken. They just okay. smaller. I have to put that on my list to try. But because I'm very country, that's what we okay. had like rabbit and rice and gravy and stuff like that. Like it was just, it's good. Okay. Very country. Very country. I'm here for it. <laughs> so next question, um, a crock pot story. I feel like right now we live in a very microwavable age where people want things instantly. Can you give me a crock pot story? A time in your life or in your business where something had to like slow cook? I mean basically this whole business really yeah. um, mainly because I didn't really know what direction I wanted to go into but you know I had different ideas of like I need to be in a target I need to be doing all of this stuff because I saw like other business owners doing that yeah um, but the reality of the situation is you have to run your race and really have your own journey yeah. And that's one thing that I learned too because a lot of these opportunities that come to you, they come when you're ready. Yeah. Um, so like for example, like I have a lot of my friends who've been like on Good Morning America and stuff mm -hmm. like that and I'm very happy for them. But I think if that happened for me right now, I would it wouldn't be like a happy occasion really yeah. because I just don't feel like I'm in a space where I'm prepared for that because I don't have like, you know, my just like the people in place and all mm -hmm. that to handle all that stuff it would just be stressful so right. I think things come to you when they're supposed to mm -hmm. um, so I think just being in this space mm -hmm. going from our kitchen to the garage to here that's that's definitely a crock pot story yeah. right there because you know it there's a lot of business owners who are maybe six seven years in and they're in a target already mm -hmm. and I'm not and that's okay right 
I'm exactly where I want to be mm-hmm. and that's what's important absolutely yes thank you for sharing that um and you do not want your blessing to turn into a burden right so you have to be prepared I really love that you shared that so the next one your go-to what is something that keeps you motivated keeps you up you know when you have that go-to soul food meal like it just never disappoints so what is it that keeps you keeps you running um I think because I'm also an Aquarius, we want to save the world, but not like be around so many people doing it. <laughs> um, I think just my motivation to see people who like black people, especially black women, you know, feel liberated and having access to like just little joys. Yeah. You know, like we don't have the opportunities a lot to celebrate joy or to even think about it because you know so much of our history is trauma but talk about it it's just like i mean all of what we see is a lot of trauma but there's also so much joy in the black community and i just want to be a part of what that's like you Mm -hmm. know just taking a shower that's that's a joyful moment to me because it's a moment where i ain't got to do nothing but focus on me and Mm -hmm. be in some water and just feel like oh you know absolutely and so just stuff like that it's just bringing joy to people in ways that in, in, in ways that you don't even have to think about yeah is what really keeps me going mm-hmm. yes so the next question the itis you know when you eat a real good meal you get sleepy you want to lay down on that chair <laughs> what is something that you're tired of seeing it can relate to personal oh. finance entrepreneurship life what are you tired of seeing i think i am tired of seeing the whole fake it till you make it thing because <laughs> it's 2022 yeah we all should just be honest and transparent and authentic about our experiences absolutely you know and not leave these impressions to business owners that are coming up that like you have to have a six seven eight nine figure brand to be successful success looks so different for everybody it's very absolutely. subjective and so putting that amount of pressure on yourself to to show up in spaces where one you're not welcome a lot of times people don't want you there because you you know you're trying to keep up appearances like it's not necessary right um so be you be yourself Mm -hmm. you know and and a lot of things come to you when you are all the right things come to you when you are when you're trying to be something else you get you might have those opportunities but you'll find that you'll be surrounded by people who more people you don't want to be around yeah so <laughs> and it's not sustainable no it's you can't not. keep up and act forever like mm-hmm. i just believe either you're going to get tired or they're going to find out that you're a fraud right like, one of the two and it's just not the fallout ain't cute we ain't <laughs> the age of the internet we're posting <laughs> on twitter blaming folks up people's whole careers is going in blames exactly on twitter for no reason for no reason (laughs) (laughs) so our last question Mm, this is good so you know when you take that first bite for me it's yams like i love yams and if they super good i bite into i'm like "Mm, this is good so can you give us our final words of wisdom Mm, this is good for everybody that is listening so i would just say you know run your own race be in your own journey don't it's it's always hard to run your business when you look in you know all over the place right and not really being inspired by what is actually moving you what's right for you and what's yours is yours mm. and you can't 
base success, like somebody else's success on like where you should be in life. That's, right. It's just not, it's not realistic and it just drives you crazy. So one thing that I think that has made us stand out as a brand is that we are very transparent about what we go through. Yeah. I think I had an Instagram story where I was crying and, <laughs> you know, and I was crying because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to pay my rent this month because mm-hmm. that's real. That's and and I in that moment I felt like I am a failure and that's yeah. that's real. Everybody has those moments, mm-hmm. especially when you're an entrepreneur. So don't be afraid to embrace those moments and lean on your community and ask for the help that you need. But be authentic, yeah. be be real and be genuine, and be there for other people like they're there for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much yeah. for being on the show. <laughs> Girl, you poured into me. I learned so much just from this past 45, 50 minutes. So I just want to give you your flowers and tell you to keep going. Like, you have been one of my biggest inspirations and just watching, for one, her video content on Instagram, baby. I try. The storytelling, (laughs) the behind the scenes, just everything. Um, And I really feel like being on the outside looking in, it makes us feel like we're a part of the brand. So... I appreciate you for doing all that you're doing and just being an inspiration for all the young black girls who are looking up to you as well. I want to thank you for reaching out and just, you know, having me here because slide in the DMs, y'all, because that's what she did. Show did. And she was just like, I want to talk to you. Can we talk? And I mean, I'm so glad that we did because you were just, and this is what you're doing is so amazing and so important. We Mm -hmm. need a lot more black publications to you know to share our experience as black entrepreneurs because yeah. sometimes people don't get it mm-hmm. but having these conversations is important so thank you for doing what you do thank you it's amazing thank you so much <laughs> thank y'all for tuning back in to another episode on the responsible homegirl podcast and always remember with exposure execution and consistency there is nothing you can't do see y'all next time <laughs>